0: Log TALK RADIO
1: When the opponent expands, I contract. When he contracts, I expand. And when there is an opportunity, I do not hit.
2: It hits all by itself. Now,
3: you must remember, the enemy has only images and illusions behind which he hides his true motives. Destroy the image, and it will break the enemy.
0: You're traveling to another radio show. A broadcast not only of sight and sound, but of mind, mind, a journey into the wondrous land whose boundaries are that of the imagination. That's the on-air sign up ahead. Your next stop, Afro Nerd Radio. With your guides, D-Bird, Captain Kirk, and on Grindhouse Saturdays, the uncanny Daryl D. And introducing West Coast correspondent, Miss Claire Linet. Mind Expansion Engage.
2: folks what's up i think our mics are also working finally folks you know what time it is it's the grindhouse time unfortunately it appears that the uncanny daryl b will not be attending he is persona non grata uh he's he's attending a family um tragedy a relative of his passed on so we give him our thoughts uh i wouldn't doubt that he might be listening in transit but uh, I'm sure that once he pays his respects, he will be returning in fine order. Anyway, um, the rest of the crew is going to be here, yours truly, of course, Captain Kirk, and our left-coast correspondent, Claire Lane. The call number remains a balmy constant, 646-915-9620, again, 646-915-9620. You know, I, I always figure that, and I say this constantly, that we might not have a lot to discuss, but without fail, there's always something going on in blurreddom in uh, comics with nerds of color in mind, uh, controversy. Things are always going on, folks. So let's get into it. Let's go to our Urbalt groove. You know how it goes. We have a, uh, a chief component of the show, deals with playing urban alternative music such as Afropunk, coming up in a few weeks. Something else to talk about. Black rock musicianship, the urban alternatives, through, through, um, why am I losing my train of thought? Uh, Through psychedelic soul, and through progressive hip-hop. All that jazz and jazz is available for your pleasure. One of my favorite singers, kind of under, Underground somewhat. She's a background singer for Kendrick Lamar. This is Anna Wise. I played this song a few times. Just dig it. Anna Wise, Some Mistakes. We'll be right back, folks. Let's groove. <laughs> Kendrick Lamar, where can I speak? Already I'm screwing up. From Kendrick Lamar's camp, Anna Wise, some mistakes. Wow, folks, uh, time is moving, believe it or not. A lot to discuss, a lot going on. First up, let's get to the captain. Captain, you're needed on terra firma, as always. Let's get to it.
4: That's normally the intro we use on Wednesday's show. Switch it up for you. I go with you after that. <laughs> All
2: right, and again, folks. Just as a reminder, uh, our own Uncanny uh, is persona non grata. He's dealing with a family tragedy, but he will he will be returning. Why can't I speak? He will be returning next week. Um, we have his doppelganger, so you might not know. You might not notice the difference. <laughs> Uh, Where's her? I, you know, I have to cue her music up. Like, what, what's wrong with me? I think Daryl's missing and things go off. Okay, there you go. I can feel the funk and the dance moves. The disco ball drops down. This young lady, young lady, comes to the scene. Rex havoc, Rex shop. You know who she is? She's our left coast correspondent. We could not do the show without any kind of real efficacy, without this young woman. We expect to see her on the silver screen at some point. Gotta happen. Gotta happen. Anyway, she is Claire. Lene. Claire, how are you?
1: I'm doing all right. How are you?
2: Pretty good. Okay, let me... Why am I... Okay, there we go. Didn't want to disengage. The funk was too hard. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. Uh, listen, it's just the three of us and our callers. Again, folks, remember it's 646-915-9620. 646-915-9620. We're going to do a little bit of a short show, a shorter show, but there's still a lot of topics to get into. Um, I was trying to to actually load in the audio And it just wasn't engaging I really wanted to play this quick clip Of this deal I want to There's a couple of controversies going on right now And it's just This one, I got it right away And it's almost innocuous But it's, it's A 30 year old problem Believe it or not And it deals with Apu Apu is the character from The Simpsons And there's a comedian Who has taken umbrage with with this portrayal of Indian Americans. Uh, Hari Kandambula, if I'm pronouncing his name correctly, and I, my apologies if I'm not. But uh, I wish I, I wish I could have. It's only like a two minute clip, and it just wasn't it just wasn't loading in properly. But anyway, um, this documentary is going to be on True TV, and it's called "The Problem with Apu." And uh, do you recollect... Who does the, the voice, Claire, for Apu? Um, I know Hank it's not Azaria. Harry Shearer. Who is it?
1: Hank Azaria.
2: Right, right, right. Thank you. Hank Azaria. I, I can't take anything away from his talent. He's an extremely talented dude. Voic- vocally as well as... Uh, I've seen him uh, as a live-action um, actor. But uh, the, the video, the documentary, the, just the the quick trailer did show how he goes – many of these voice, voiceover actors, they're expected to, at the drop of a hat, kind of go into their characters. And he goes into our pool, and when you see how the documentary positions it, you see it's kind of cringeworthy to see this white person go into this Indian uh, vocal stereotype. So I think he's onto to something. He interviews interviews people of color, people of color in general. We see Whoopi Goldberg is in there and, and everyone kinda has that same look like, well you know, <laughs> welcome to America. This is what they kind of do. Um let me go to the captain first. What what are your thoughts about not only this documentary because some folks I think Cal Penn, one of my uh, one of my favorite actors, Cal Penn, um had some words to say, well, Cal Penn said he hates Apu. He said, I hate it, Apu. Um, what are your thoughts about th- this documentary, uh, the fact that that Hari had to be somewhat self-deferential and say, this is not an SJW rant. But then someone's going to accuse him of being an SJW. I think that's a problem also. Uh, I'll, I'll go around the horn with this question, but Anytime you have a critique on a racial or ethnic stereotype, and you want representation, you're going to get that. You're going to get a a a, a criticism back at you, telling you, "Well, you're just this, this is SJWism." So, what are your thoughts about the docs, and what are you thought the documentary? What are your thoughts about this being a potential SJW, you know, rant?
4: Well, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. Now the thing when you look and look back at the Simpsons, isn't that what the Simpsons did? It was it was stereotypes, wasn't it not? A lot of it. Wasn't there another what was the other show with the 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 country guy? That cartoon, what was that cartoon called? You know, uh, I think it came yeah, out. No. Um That that was actually in worse. The hill. Yeah, yeah. It came in that was actually worse was stereotypes. Man. That
1: show boy, oh my god.
5: <laughs>
4: To tell you the truth, but that—that's that, pretty much what that show was doing. But the person doing the documentary has a legitimate gripe. Definitely has a legitimate gripe. I can tell you this: dealing with Chinese people in flushing, they would tell me when it comes to black people. First thing, first thing they tell me is like, "You don't look like the black people that I see on TV." I said, "How so?" <laughs> I, I, I like this stuff. Just to show you how with stereotypes. He said, well, in my country, the black people, my country, they're talking about, you know, China. <clears throat> the black people that you see, either they rap, they sing, they play sports, or they go into jail. They're doing crimes. So that's it. Ugh, and, and they also listen, say, listen, listen, yeah. you got to listen to this. this I'm already stuff dozing is off.
2: I'm already dozing Let's off. Go ahead.
4: So, and they also say, the black people that come into their country, they're a lot darker than me. Because most of them that come there are from Africa. Right. So Yes. Yeah. So <clears throat> the stereotype that they have is that, okay, they see you when they first come to this country. This is what a lot of them tell me. This is not all of them, but a lot of them have expressed this to me. They see you. They get scared. Because if you were rapping or singing, they would know you were an athlete. They know you. So you must be a criminal. <laughs> I'm trying to tell you Then after a period of time, they get used to it and They say, oh, you got different type of you know, people. Some of you look different and everything else. So the point being is that you know, st- stereotypes can be very hurtful. You know? And a lot of people, when they don't interact with you, they get the image from TV, what's displayed on TV. That's the point that I'm making. So the documentary Maker, has a legitimate life And screw the SJWs They're going to say what they want to say anyway You know there you go Back over to you Ashlyn
2: Yeah you know um, There's a uh, There's a YouTube Imprint that's growing In some degree of popularity And I believe it's entitled Diversity In Comics e- Either Diversity in Comics or Diversity And Comics And it's really this guy who I think was a part of the comic book industry. He might have been a, an artist or a writer, and he just really just digs in on Marvel Comics. Like he has a real problem with how Marvel comic, Marvel Comics in the present day, their, their whole uh, Marvel U initiative, and you know the fact that you have a Riri Williams is Bat is a Riri Williams is Iron Man, uh, Thor is a woman um we see obviously that there is a, you know they have younger as he would say younger pink-haired uh millennials that are running Marvel so he has a whole thing about how Marvel Comics is as he would say cow to the millennial/sjw sector and he thinks it's the, it is the ruination of Marvel Comics that's his opinion so um I have a problem when I think there's a distinction between having legitimate, a legitimate right to having uh, appropriate and accurate representation, versus kind of going off in the going off in the Netherlands, you know, with, with your with, with your request when it gets to be absurd. Claire, what are your thoughts about this documentary? I thought it was pretty interesting in the sense that you know someone may look at Apu as one of a number of stereotyped characters on the Simpsons and you you know if you're not paying attention you may say this is not a big deal but it's a big deal so w- what are your thoughts about this documentary and this comedian specifically interviewing uh specifically Indian Asian folk, black people, he's kind of you know he's putting out there like this is this is a thing
1: um Well, listen, I grew up on The Simpsons, okay? I grew up on that stuff. I haven't watched the show consistently in years. Um, And I think a lot of people feel that way. I mean, let's just be honest. The show has been on for damn near three decades.
5: Yeah.
1: So in terms of its relevance, it's not quite as impactful, but I get it. I get it. I understand the the sentiment behind why – this person felt the need to put this out there. And and I've been watching uh, Master of None, Aziz Ansari. You know, he touches on a lot of different things um, that kind of incorporate those frustrations. So this is the time. You know, this is the time. And whether it be because of the SJWs or the, these millennials or whatever you want to call it, this is the time. We're living in a very divisive, you know, period, you know, worldwide. And you see it in this country. You see it, you know, abroad. You see it in our presidency. I mean, you see it every day. And it's just, voices are just getting louder. The anger is becoming more, you know, hot, you know. It's just, it's, it's really everybody's, everybody's got something they're, they're beefing about. And they want to be heard, they want to express themselves, they want to you know they want to commiserate, they want to let it be known and I get it, I get it you know it's it is unsettling when when you actually see it because you don't think about it in an animated you know form in in that visual sense, you're watching a cartoon. But when you watch the actor actually perform it, it's like, well, wait a second, that's kind of weird or off-putting. I mean, in voiceover, it's actually very common, more common than you realize, that male actors play female characters, and female actors play male characters, and white actors play black characters. I mean, I don't know if you know this, but... um, one of one of like the lead guys who's been in the family guy you know umbrella forever you know and then he had his own show the cleveland show
3: oh yeah
1: yep right that's a white actor you know um and and on the reverse on the reverse that same show same show cleveland um I might be mixing up his name if I am. I apologize. Kevin Michael Richardson. That's it. A very, another very talented voiceover actor. he been in the business a very long time. Black, a black actor. And the character that he was a rec- I'm sorry, recurring, uh, Cletus, was a Confederate flag-wielding shotgun-holding, you know, white trash neighbor. That was the character that he played. That's true. As a black actor as a black actor he's voicing a white stereotype. Okay? So this happens all the time in voiceover. Because that that is a medium in which you can play, in which it doesn't matter as long as, you know, in the audio it 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 plays well, it works with what with what the artists, the cartoonists, you know, are, are, are going for the tone, the humor, all of it. So, listen, I don't really have a dog in this fight. I get it. I do. I do. It's 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 very one-dimensional. It's very much a stereotype. I would say though that you know and maybe I'm completely off base here, but the the main frustration with with these types of one-dimensional stereotypes, is that there's no other sense of representation. When you have so few examples, you know, from which to draw upon that that are reflective or indicative of, of your color, your creed in the media, then the few and far in between that we are shown, they basically have to represent everybody in that category, and that's where it gets ugly, that's where it gets frustrating, kind of piggybacking off of what the cat said, because then the assumption is, is that y'all are like that, all of you are like that, in one example, you all talk like that, you all work at a convenience store, you all, you know, this, that, and the other, da, 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 da. so I, you know, I, I, hey, listen, I, I'm with you, I'm with you, I get the frustration, when you don't have that many examples to choose from, then immediately you're, you're boxed in. Immediately, it's like, okay, you're just a one-dimensional thing. You're not a real person. You know you are all there to be comic relief. You're all there to talk funny. you know, you're all there to just help move the story forward for the white characters. So that I get it. I do. I do. I'm not going to deny that he has a point. But at the same time, I and this is where it's going to sound ugly, I, I get it, but I just, similar to when I hear the pain and frustration of other disenfranchised groups and minorities who feel disrespected, who feel slighted, who feel underrepresented, at the same time it's like I hear you, I feel for you, but I got my own problems. And I know that sounds harsh, but sometimes that's just how I feel. I got my stuff too, okay? You know, so that's 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 where I'm at.
2: Um, I'll close out on this. I I, I think that, uh, you're you're correct that the, the the premise of the Simpsons has a lot to do with stereotyping everyone. Uh, isn't the the uh, restaurateur Luigi? I mean, he's definitely like an Italian rest uh, Italian uh, stereotype. Actually, he's one. Uh, Stereotype. Then there's the other one. um uh, Forgot the actor. Fat Tony. Yeah, Fat Tony. But who was the actor of that? Montaigne. Joe Montaigne. I think yeah. he does the voice. Joe Montaigne. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, I mean, you know, there, there's. I mean, if you really, if you really, if you're going to be fair, almost all of the characters fulfill a certain stereotype. um Interestingly enough, there's kind of a Cosby thing there. I forgot the doctor Dr H- Hibbert um he's supposed yeah. to be a kind of Cosby he's like a middle class black people, which is in my world is fine, you know, but you have uh who else is on there- Car- well actually, you know people actually get a good got probably got a good got a good uh shake on that, and I think it's because uh the stereotyping of black people in America has been so bad. Not everyone has has got it, but when it comes to like Numero Uno, I think um, the stereotypes just don't stop. So I think in the modern era, they decided to kind of go in the opposite direction. I even read that somewhere that when it comes to cartoons, they try to go in the opposite direction as far as black stereotypes, which is very, very interesting. Captain, what do you? We're gonna move along, but what do you think that? What do you? What do you think that's about? So I can think of several instances where in t- in cartoons, when they portray portray black people, they do try to go in the opposite direction. They just make they just make them regular. I don't know people are paying attention to that. Like Carl is just a regular guy. Doctor Hibbert is a – well, he's a doctor.
4: You got know, other people to beat up now. <laughs> <That's me too. laughs> You know, you got other people to beat up. You could go beat up the Mexican, Indian, Asian. You could do all that. Let us take a little heat off the off the black man. We'll get back to you. Don't get it messed up. We're gonna get back to you, (laughs) black man. We're gonna get back to you. Don't get it messed up. But we're gonna take a little heat off you, and we're gonna beat up some other people for a little while. We get back to you, though.
0: You know, because
2: even even that's what it seems like to me. Even when you think of of um, Cleveland, Cleveland is pretty. You know. Like, and his son. If you know, there is a trend that, they, that, like, there's some kind of clause where you don't screw around with black people. Because that's, like, the, the third rail as far, as far as, like, trying to appeal to kids or whatever. But you go back into the 40s and the 50s and the 60s, it was bad. Uh, that's what that forty 4-4, it, uh, the story of OJ, the
3: 444
2: album that was just released by Jay-Z. He went back to that that stereotype, and it was you know that's what cartoons were like with black people in it. So maybe they gave us a break this time around. Anyway, uh, folks, this is the Grindhouse. Uh, I see some calls are, calls are here. If you'd like to join in on our discourse, remember just press one. If you press one, that way we know that you are virtually raising your hand, and we know that you can join in. Six four six nine one five nine six two zero. All nine six two zero. All right. Um, another controversy, and then we'll get into some other some other things. Uh, I, I'm seeing now that the Supergirl is catching it a little bit, in a in, in a not so mild way. I saw this on the Mary Sue website, and the actor that plays Win, Jeremy Jordan, there was a little. Get together. I don't know if it was at MTV. It was, it was an interview with most of the stars of Supergirl. And they're kind of just happy. I've never seen a happier cast in my life. So I guess because they, they got a third, third season. So they're, they're just happy and joking around. And uh, somehow they get, it, they get Jeremy to sing something. So he's singing something in an, in an impromptu thing. And in an impromptu fashion, he's freestyling. To the rap folks, see, but he's singing, and he makes a, an offhand remark about the, the the friendship between Lena Luther and Supergirl, their characters, and he says he sings something to the effect of, "Hey, don't worry, we're we're not gonna we're not gonna have them make out, or we're not gonna have them as a couple, we're not going to ship them." You know, for those who are in this culture, there's a whole. Shipper, shippiness, shipping, meaning a, a romantic liaison between characters. Now we know we, there's already a sapphic relationship in with Supergirl. You're, well, in the in the Supergirl uh, TV series, so he just said playfully, "No, no, no, we're not going to go there this time with these two. They're just friends." So, listen again. I, I'm a what is it? I'm learning these new terminologies. I'm a cisgender. Cis, straight male, so at, in this new world order, you can easily step on someone's toes, and and, sure and not that? know what what. Yeah, I'm very sure. <laughs> what what, if, what are we do What are we doing here, Captain? <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> <What the hell? laughs> right. Continue. Continue. All
2: right. So. Um, so, so this this young man sings this thing out, and then the whole Twitterverse are saying that basically you're wrong, or he was wrong for singing uh, an offhanded remark about about these two not having a a, a a romantic relationship. So this is when the SJW thing, I think, actually this is where the criticism comes in. We, this is why. You, you you can't you don't know what's a legitimate gripe and when you're just being angry for the sake of being angry. And I'm, I'm trying respectfully not to step on uh, another set of folks' issues. Maybe I don't get it, but I, I don't. I, I do have a problem. I will say this, and someone can 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 you know straighten me out. But I do have a problem when an established relationship is is hetero. Or just, or just friend, or just people just being friends, like the whole, uh, this whole thing that there was, a, there was a faction of people who wanted Bucky and Captain America to be more than just friends. I'm like, wait a minute, we, we, we can't, we can't have just regular male bonding as a thing unto itself. That has to be, that has to be turned into something. So these are two, two sorrows. They're friends. And uh, it's been established they have, they had male paramours. So I don't know why why the LGBTQ folk or a faction of them on Twitter are upset that this guy said no. This time we know they're just friends. We're not going to go there. Am, am I missing something in that? That now we have to kind of morph people who aren't gay into being gay. Cinematically, I mean, I'm kind of I, I just I'm just. I don't get it, Claire. Back to you. What am I? What, am no, I being I don't really
1: understand. I don't understand how this even blew up it, into what it did. I don't. I don't get it. First of all, like you said, it's already been established that they're straight, or that you know, or that at the very least there is no bisexual or you know, lesbianic you know, chemistry between them. I mean, in fact, it's supposed to be complex in the sense that, okay, well, your friends and, you know, your mother is a supervillain, so it's like I'm trying to help you, but at the same time, sometimes I don't know if I can trust you and blah, blah, blah. That's really, that's been laid out this past season. You know, shipping has been happening for a long time. It's only very recently that it's become so popularized that it has its own terminology it has its own shorthand you know it's 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 a widely established thing now because of fan fiction and so okay fine whatever if you want to if you want to fantasize about these two hooking up cool you know do you but i'm just confused about this particular situation as to why it escalated in such a way first of all if it's already established then I don't know why Jeremy would even feel the need to say anything like that. I mean we already know we already know that, that Lena was, you know, had an ex lover that, you know, that, that um who was like a tech guy and, and that ended tragically in a previous episode and and, you know, Kara, she's with Monel, Daxamite you know clearly male. So what what is the need to explain or to really further drive the point home like okay, well, these two girls they're just friends. They're just friends, nothing more, nothing more, not ever. Why is what what is the necessity to even say that? It's obvious. And if these people want to ship and they want to fantasize about um, you know, potentially a romantic interest between Kara and Lena let them whatever why say anything on the reverse on the reverse the freak out you know that the internet responded with to his little impromptu uh you know ditty little song that is just completely over the top unnecessary unjustified and this guy, because he, he's, you know, he's not going to be a jerk about it. I mean, he, he does feel bad, and, and he apologized not once, twice in two different posts. And you can tell there are certain people, and it's definitely more obvious with, with guys. With women, you know, it's always, it's always kind of tricky because, I mean, women in general uh, tend to have more pressure on us from PR and for publicity reasons, women have to be considered more likable, you know, just in general. So that's always kind of a given. But when a guy, when a guy really takes his time to apologize, it's like, hey, I didn't mean to disrespect anybody, I didn't mean to hurt your feelings, I didn't mean anything by it. You know, let's all try to be a little positive and treat each other nicely, blah, blah, blah. Not only, not only did he write one apology note, he wrote another one, you know, because he's like, hey, whoa, whoa, don't hate me. Come on, guys, we're all on the same team. Let's all just relax. Come on. You know, he was really trying. And when I read the article, it was like, nope, not good enough. Nope, not good enough. I was like, okay, now you're just hurting your case. Now you are just hurting yourself because anytime you open your mouth complaining about how LGBTQ whatever doesn't get enough rep, when you behave like this, when you come after a guy that didn't mean anything by it, he apologizes once and then twice, and then you still want to talk smack. Okay, now it's like I don't want to bother listening to any complaints. I don't want to bother with you at all because now you're just being ridiculous. Now it's like I can't even take you seriously. Like, what are we even talking about here? So I don't know. I don't understand how this blew up into what it did. And the whole thing that really doesn't make any sense is that for all the shows to attack, this would not be the one. This would not be the one because there is a lesbian relationship in the show. At least there has been. And it grew it had a full story arc. It developed over time. It was a legitimate, you know, a, a legitimate growth between, you know, how do we get from here to here and how do we deal with this as a couple? You know, how it, it really gave it its full, you know, a, a wide berth, just like you would with any hetero relationship, you know, in television. It gave it that, gave it its due between – um Alex, you know, her, her stepsister, and with Maggie Sawyer, the police officer, which, unfortunately, and they're going to catch – oh, man. <laughs> Remember how I told you that one of the people on my panel a couple weeks ago, she writes for Supergirl? We were talking about this, and you know what? They are going to catch hell for the fact that Maggie is going to be slowly written off the show They're going to catch out like, oh, this is you trying to get rid of all the LGBTQ characters and this is not right and blah, blah, blah. But the thing is is that they don't understand that that actress, Floriana Lima, never wanted to be a series regular on Supergirl. She only anticipated being a recurring for maybe two to three episodes, and that was it. And you could kind of see she was doing double duty on Supergirl. She was on Lethal Weapon. You know, this, this chick is working. She's everywhere, you know. And that takes a lot out of you. If you're if you're working in L.A. and going back and forth to uh, Canada, which is where Supergirl and most of the CW shoots, it's a lot. It's a lot. That's why Calista Flockhart, she didn't want to be on it anymore because she doesn't want to go to Canada all the time. She's not going to move. You know, but people are going to freak out and blame the show, even though they begged her to stay. They begged her to stay. they saw a real opportunity here to give you know uh, an LGBT you know relationship it's due, but she doesn't want to be there. She doesn't want to be on the show. So that's the thing is that people want to talk all kinds of garbage and they want to freak out, but they don't understand the facts. they don't know the whole story, and they want to just get mad to be mad. Listen, I'm all about being mad. You know that. You know I got a lot of passion. You, you know I got a lot what? of anger within me. I, I know. I'm subtle. I, I never so got that. maybe you might have missed that detail <laughs> between me and my doppelganger. I'm all about that. I got, I got the anger. I got the being mad. I got that down pat. But I have to have a reason. I have to have a reason. I lay out my case. These people, they don't
2: have a case. I, 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 I want to uh, read something quickly and we'll move along. I guess I just saw this as an example. It could easily have been an innocuous story, but it made me angry because I actually just didn't feel that this young man did anything wrong. I, you know, he seems like an affable guy. And as you just stated, I thought about this also, is that there's, there's a, they have gone, the show itself has gone over and aboard to, to uh, su- submit to the public a positive portrayal of lgbtq romance and so forth um very progressive show really i mean uh kara initially had a relationship or they would look like looked like they were going in the direction of a relationship with jimmy olsen who's of african-american extraction so i mean they've, they've done things to mix things up to make it seem like this is a, a show for millennials for today a very progressive show, so this is really not the show to kind of do this to. But, I mean, you're dealing with a set of folks, that, in my estimation, that seem not to be able to, 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 to look at things clearly. It's it's very cherry-picking. It's kind of a cherry-picking attitude with dealing with some of this stuff. I'm going to read this quickly from the very soon we'll move along. This happened at Comic-Con, actually. It says, This weekend at Comic-Con, the cast of Supergirl was asked by MTV's Josh Horowitz, to do an imp- improvised musical recap of the show's second season. At one point, Jeremy Jordan, who plays Wynn, sings about how Kara met a new friend, in quotes, Lena Luthor, played by Katie McGrath. He then looks into the camera and yells and yell, sings, They're only friends. They're only friends. They're not going to get together. They're only friends. So, I mean, if anything, I would look at this in the, in the opposite direction and say, he's saying that to to offset the, uh, the 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 male or or the um, the reptilian part of this, where you might want to see girls hooking up all the time, so he's basically saying we're not going to go for that trope. That could that could be perceived as a trope uh, with because men some men like to see women hook up. That's part of the reptilian side. So for him to say to sing it. They're not going to do it, you know. Sorry, that's not going to happen. That's the other side of there of, of an argument. So I see where he was going, but I, I, it's getting to the point now that comedians are not going to be able to do their thing. You're not going to be able to talk about anything. In, I mean, there's some things that are that are patently and blatantly racist, and sometimes there's just things that would be classified as blue humor or maybe just trying to be a just you know just rubbing rubbing a shoulder or whatever, however you want to describe it. But now it's getting to the point now where folks aren't going to be able to do their, their craft. They're not going to be um, honest when they do these, these uh, interviews. And there's already so, many, so much expectations and phoniness with these things. Now they're going to make it where it's, it's just going to be a waste of time. Like, why bother to be an Why bother to interview if at any moment you're going to be stepping on somebody's toes when you're clearly not trying to be an a-hole. Anyway, folks, this is the grind house. Uh, as I said at the top of the show, the uncanny is unav- unavailable, but he will be returning next week. 6469159620 is the number. Don't you forget it. Uh, if you like to I see our, some of our listeners like to just listen from their uh, Bluetooth, and that's fine. but if you want to join in, press one, and that'll be cool as well. Uh, one more topic, and then we'll go to a musical break. I, I do want to try to fit this in. Um, I do. I wanted. To, this is actually a sports thing, somewhat. So, Claire, you may have to
0: <laughs>
2: bear with us, but it's still of interest, I think. Through this out here, it's kind of a, a sports blurred thing, I, I think. We've mentioned this gentleman before, John Urschel, and well, it's actually part cinematic too, because of Will Smith's movie. Uh, with the cte phenomenon in in sports what are your thoughts about this young man retiring uh again he's a it a phd candidate at mit and i was thinking about him because this this cte thing what does the acronym stand for cranial is it cranial cranial something encephalopathy encephalopathy something like that what are your thoughts while I look up the correct acronym About him retiring Because of CTE Well
4: He he has options One let's understand he's not going to probably make Football money you know down the line With what Being a math becoming a mathematician Getting a doctorate in mathematician But he can make some very good money Being that he played football He could talk about that he could write a few books he can go out, speaking engagements,
5: do all right as far as
4: money's concerned. <clears throat> so the, the, thing with, the thing with this football is something I told my friend. He had two boys. Or should I should say he has two boys. And, you know, he played basketball. Coming up, he said, Kirk, what, what do you think about football? I said, listen, man. <laughs> I said, if you could avoid it, avoid it. He said, done. That's it. He said, let him play baseball, track, and basketball. So now his two sons, they're getting scholarships for basketball. So that, that's the way he went with that. You know, when the studies came out, when they did these studies for CTE on football players that have passed away on their brains, they found that 99% of them had CTE. That's it. If you're a guy like him, you know, highly educated, and it's not all about the money to you, Maybe his real passion is mathematics, and he was a guy, and this does happen, people. This does happen. He was a guy that very big, strong, fast, and he played football, you know, and he's like, okay, I'm. because a lot of these guys, when they go to school, they don't necessarily take courses like this. It might take communications, business, and things of that nature. Some of them do take some electrical engineering and things of that, of that ilk, but most of those guys, they take a lot easier courses, mainly because... Where's your emphasis going? It's in for you know, that's the reality of it. So maybe with someone such as himself, his real passion might have been mathematics. And he just happens to play football and he's really good at it and he's going to take advantage of it. Now, you get banged up a few times in your head and then they a- ask you your name and you're like, you forget for a little bit. You might be thinking, wait a minute, I can't do my mathematics? Are you crazy? <laughs> you I can go do something else. I'm a smart guy. I'm a smart guy You understand And then the test comes out And you see the results like, Let me turn my stuff in man Let me finish up Get this PhD And figure it out from there I'm not starving for money I can make a few dollars Just saying That's all Back over to you Afrenur
2: Yeah the acronym is Chronic Traumatic Encephalopathy Yeah CTE There's so many acronyms going on MIT PhD NFL That's it CTE That's it I love it (laughs) Okay, we've spoken about John Urschel before because, I mean, essentially he's a blurred, and it's pretty impressive. I mean, I'm looking at the side of him getting a Ph.D. at MIT in mathematics, so I think that that alone, I mean, his he's not going to be hurting uh, by any stretch of the imagination with that kind of pedigree. Um, and actually the NFL might be a great – you know, it's a great talking point that he can play opposite sides – of you know the 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 brain and the brawn but the nfl i mean listen they're trying to dodge out dodge out uh research i think it was they had promised 30 million in researching cte and now they're reneging on that i mean there's some things going on that are very fishy i mean you're talking about a billion dollar operation that there's more evidence that it is just really harmful it's harmful to high school players I mean, you, you know, the, body, the body and the brain, I mean, your, your, your brain is literally jostling around your skull. All these repeated blows to the head was what's causing these things. And, you know, there's always, there's always talk about um, cogitation when it comes to, to black folk, allegedly. And I find it funny that uh, the, the, the gentleman that really spearheaded CTE as far as, you know, finding out that it was a problem was uh, Ugandan, I believe. That's uh, the, the character that uh, Will Smith played, and that this gentleman is that MIT candidate, and also of African American extraction. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I, stereotypes brilliant. are, st- yeah, br- <laughs> it's brilliant, but stereotypes are a thing. It, mm-hmm. it really is a problem. It, it's it's uh, it's very stifling for development when people have these preconceived notions of folks, and and the fact that we actually operate. Many of us operate that way. Um, so, my, well wishes to, to him. I, I kind of, I really thought that he was at some point going to be getting out of the NFL because this this has been a known process. Okay, this guy with this this kind of brain power, no. There's another gentleman too uh, who used to play cap um, out of Florida. I think his name is um, his, his last name is Roley. You remember this guy? I think he became. Um, did he become a – I think he became a doctor, and he played football for a minute also, but there was no mentioning of him like retiring because of this. But I know he went, he, he went, to, to, the, went to the UK, became a Rhodes Scholar. I mean this guy was a very accomplished scholastic dude, and he too ended up leaving, but not, he didn't say it was because of CTE. I forgot the guy's name. Anyway, we have a caller. Yeah, you had that. one of the
4: Harmon brothers who played for San Francisco for a little while. He left the league. He said that's it. it's too competitive. He went to. He finished up his law degree. He said that's what I'm
0: doing. <laughs> <He> said, that's <laughs> it. I'm <laughs> gone.
4: <laughs> his brother played in the league a lot longer though. Went to Bayside High School. Those guys. That's here in Queens, New York. You know, so
2: okay. Yeah, some, uh, some Myron, people have options. Myron Rolle, Bahamian okay. dude uh played college football for Florida State. Yeah, he was awarded a Rhodes Scholarship, Oxford University. Uh now, but he's Doctor Myron Roley. Uh young dude. So yeah, I, I always remember that, that cat. I used to know a girl in, in a grade school whose surname was Role as well. Uh anyway, she wasn't bad looking either. Anyway, let's go to let's go to seven oh three. Welcome to Good the evening. Grand House.
3: Good evening young Gentlemen, this is Bison for Life. How you boys doing?
2: We're doing How's well, man? What's up? <laughs> We have a young lady here too, man. Let's get all gingers. Oh, I, 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 I wasn't finished. And lady, how are you? Thank, you? Thank you.
1: Hi, Bison. What's
3: up? Hello. Slow night, slow night, David, um, isn't it? You, you really, you really scratching for stories tonight, aren't you?
2: No, <laughs> not really. <laughs> Um, I'm, scra- I'm scratching something shot. since you started talking, but go ahead. <laughs> Most football
3: players up until the 1970s had second jobs. You know, let's not act like they were always getting paid. After the season was over, some of them drove calves. My father worked with a lot of Redskins here in D.C.
1: in the government correct, and other right,
3: so. businesses. So... um, but what has changed is, you know, football especially now. You know, they want you to concentrate on one sport, so there's no, you know, it's few and far between. You're just going to see Bo Jacksons and what have you. And football is a 365-day job, even on the college level, and very few of those um, in the NFL have their degrees. Period. I don't know um, when you was at Hampton if you interacted with athletes or not. I did, um, but they, they, they. I mean, no excuse. I mean, I did the same thing when I was in ROTC. My days started early. Plus, I worked. But you know, these guys have to. Um, they have film. They have. They got to weights. They got um, like I said, film study. Then they have practice, away games. And It takes a toll, and you know, on the higher level you go. You know, a lot of those, class, like, um, Cap mentioned earlier, you know, sometimes they just soft pedal their classes so they can get through. So I must commend these young men, that young man getting a PhD. Um, but, um, that's not, I mean, getting a PhD in math, of course, that's the exception. But there have been lawyers and, and doctors who come out of um, um, the professions, it's just few and far between, but they have come through.
2: I think. What's of concern to me, I'm very proud of what this cat has accomplished, but it's the fact that you had the Will Smith film that brought this out, and I think the NFL was trying to poo-poo that film, the importance of that film, because let's be honest, there's a little bit of a thing going on where you see people are trying to really kind of say, this football thing is not the answer. I think there's less, statistically less people, less, less parents are allowing their young sons to play football, because of this, the CTA findings, um, you had the Will Smith movie that I think the NFL was certainly not happy with. Uh, that might have been another reason why he wasn't really nominated for, for, a, for an Oscar. They may not really want to promote that, that kind of film to, to, the, to the hilt to say, hey, football is not the answer. It's, it's a billion-dollar franchise that is killing people. Uh, it's made that Bully. way.
1: It wasn't how Mookie many – it was like a couple of years ago that uh, junior Seau.
2: Oh yeah, yeah.
1: And he killed himself. Yeah. But I mean, that's the thing about severe head trauma. I mean, all that stuff. I mean, come on. I mean, we're talking. It's just sense. It's just logical, you know, that things start to get wonky in there. I mean, if you start messing with the mind. People start getting depressed. People start doing crazy things and, and, and behaving in a bizarre fashion, especially later in life, you know. But what but what you mentioned is extremely disconcerting, is that the damage can be as young as junior high, you know, high school. And
3: so I'm going to speak as a football fan for almost 50, 45 years. It's not going to change. And no one's putting a gun in these people
2: here to play football yeah you know, they're not putting
1: a gun, but they're paying them a lot of money that's for sure,
2: yeah, yeah, but does that money compensate for what happens if you come if you're a crumpled up uh mental mess when you get into advanced age and I'm wondering well, it, and i'm and I'm wondering what about what about the Jim Brown days like the Jim Browns and the Fred Williamsons when they played with with Equipment that's not the type of equipment that they that we see today, like I mean these guys are walking around, walking around with canes I mean they are like an advanced age, but what about the Joe Namus and those people like do they have c t e or is this a new is this a new phenomenon like what what's up with the with the no, older I went to a i went i go
3: to um sports memorabilia shows every so often, and you know you pay a fee to get in and you pay fees for pictures and have things signed. And a lot of the players from the 70s, 60s, 70s, and 80s, that's how they supplement the income because they didn't have a big money contract. They get an NFL um, pension, but it doesn't compare to the contracts people have today. And that's, the, that's a sole home income. And walking around seeing a lot of those guys who are legends, I mean, it literally brings tears to your eyes. I, I
1: mean, a
3: lot of those guys, I mean, I even I'm going to just give a name. Um, he played for the Buffalo Bills. Um, Thurman Thomas. He's near my age. He looks like yes. he's in his seventies. Wow! Wow! I mean, he looks broken down. Especially, and it also it depends on the position. The Thurman Lineback, made up. Linebackers. What about you know, Earl Jamel? Campbell? Earl Campbell makes you want to cry, but you knew that Left. was coming. Yep. You, know, you knew that was
2: coming. Well, isn't, isn't the, the fridge people... isn't the fridge in trouble now? Also, Perry, <clears throat> the fridge. I heard he's, like, really... I mean, he, that guy was, like, 400 pounds back in the days. So, I, I can imagine, yeah. like, he's barely hanging on, isn't he? Well,
3: here's another thing, yeah. I mean, you got to ask your question, yes. But let me switch to another sport. Wrestling. Pro wrestling. Uh,
4: yeah. Another one. And the high
3: use of steroids. I think that plays a part as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I'm not a scientist, so I'm not going to begin to give any type of scientific um, anything. Um, but... um I mean, football, like um, Claire said, is a given. It, it's violent. It's very violent. And years before, it was violent with no pads. Plus, you had practice where you had you had a lot of them had full contact practices. Now, um, last year, I met a guy at an event. His son was, went to Virginia Tech, and he was getting some. Um, he was going to some training camps. We was talking about the combine and some more things. And I asked him, I said, if you knew what you knew now about um, Head injuries and whatnot. He said he what he said wouldn't have been a discussion. My someone want to play football, so I think it's starting to reach that. I don't know the numbers. I'm not going to pretend to know the numbers, but for what I'm hearing, and I have a couple of friends who are coaches, it's just fewer people doing it. But a couple of reasons why is a lot of these uh, at the pop Warner level is mostly single women with their sons in those events. You know, putting putting them in there. You know, I don't know if that's a reason. I'm just regurgitating what I've heard. But it's just fewer numbers. Also, the ages, I also I think it's it's crazy to have, like, a five-year-old playing football. You know, I can see maybe starting older, maybe 12, 13, 14. But having kids run around as young as five, six, and seven, spearing each other, that, that's insane. So, and I played, I played at that age. But I still think now it's insane, and, and you can't you can't ignore the data. And, I mean, it's not just football. It's hockey. Hockey is rough. Um, I mean, and I read some soccer, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't, a lot of, you know, I know there was a, a push to have people wear, like, some type of headrest, I mean, headgear to do when they do, um you know, head shots. I don't know how much. I haven't really seen it on a professional level. But I read that that, uh, there's a high instance of concussions of female soccer players, young girl soccer players.
4: Also, cheerleading is big, too. They get a lot of concussions, believe it or not. You wouldn't think so, but, yeah, they do.
3: But the sad thing, Debritt and Group, is so many parents are driven by, uh, basically, they want a free college education through a scholarship. They will drive – Hundreds of miles every weekend Chasing that dream And and sometimes safety becomes A a second or third or fourth priority You know, they weigh the cost of education Versus, you know, the possibility of getting a scholarship They just kind of look the other way
2: Well, you know, I thought I'd bring it up there Because of this young man getting out of it I I like the fact that he was intelligent enough and he has a mathematical mind, literally. So I knew he was going to opt out at some point. But uh, I think the bottom line is money moves everything. <laughs> uh, hey, can I say something Wu-Tang. real quick? I
3: don't know. I I just came in later, but I want to offer condolences to Daryl B. I know. I mean, I don't know if you've mentioned it. If not, I apologize. I, I did. Just want to offer, offer my condolences to Daryl B. and his family right now, um, during this time of loss. They're going through
2: thank you man I'm sure he, he appreciates that We, we did mention that, mention it at the top of the show um yeah it, it was definitely mentioned uh let's go to a Erbolt Groove as always um we're gonna go into this Wonder Woman Oscar nomination story. I find that interesting uh where that's going to go, I have no idea but i we could we could use a a genre film like that. To kind of break the I mean we did see Heath Ledger get his due But there's still a certain way that these films Are perceived so I'm wondering um, I guess under what circumstances Would Wonder Woman be, be put out there I think uh, the WB are trying Really hard To you know Submit it for uh, Oscar, Oscar consideration so uh, We're going to talk about that and other stories Coming up this is D'Angelo Sugar Daddy remix I'll give you about two minutes We'll be right back let's groove. D'Angelo I think he has a An album long overdue I mean he's good for another five years he does that But I think he's learned his lesson I don't think he's going to stay away that long So I'm very um, interested in A new Album from D'Angelo Anyway folks the Grindhouse we're back And there's some talk About Wonder Woman Wonder Woman has been extremely successful As we've spoken about And we're extremely happy because I I would say that uh, the captain, speaking for the captain, is speaking for Claire and, of course, the uncanny. This whole thing about being exclusively Marvel fan people, that's not the case. I I like pop culture in the general and I like comic books specifically and whether it would have been an image production, if it would have been a Milestone production, but Milestone, we don't know what's going on in Milestone. If it's a Lion Forge production, shout out to uh, our, <laughs> I'm I'm putting I'm putting in more on blast. I, I won't go there, but <laughs> but seriously, pick up Lions Forge, Joseph Illich. Um, if he gets a, a movie deal, um, we would support all of it. But the WB has had difficulties, and I want I'm I am invested, and I say all of us are invested in Warner Brother products performing well. Wonder Woman seems to have broken that trend, so now we're seeing that uh, there's Oscar talk about this. So I want Claire to, to, to kind of explain what what have you been hearing about Wonder Woman being considered for an Oscar, and do you think it's a good thing, or is it just WB just trying to kind of you know do business, which is what they're about ultimately.
1: <laughs> well. I mean, listen, there's just so many different layers I mean you and i we uh we love this word nuance, mm-hmm. and when you start diving into things and you see the way people behave, the choices that they make and 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 there's just never any one way to go about interpreting it or the ramifications of it, so regardless of whether or not intentions are altruistic or honorable or if it's just about getting that money and milking a property for all it's worth even to the detriment of the content itself the characters and an overall audience face I would say that I uh I'm I'm absolutely thrilled for the success of Wonder Woman I mean I think I was pretty clear about that <laughs> when I when I gave my uh, my my review when I talked about it i was um i was speaking as a as a you know as a fan of the of this genre and more importantly i'm speaking as a woman i'm speaking as a female who has been craving this for quite some time you know i mean i'm like telling everybody I know even people that don't know anything about this stuff, you got to go see this movie. You just have to. I don't care that you're not into comic books. It's the principle of it. It's the damn principle of it. You have to be able to show these people that, yes, people are willing to spend the money to see a woman take the lead, to see a woman be the hero. It is not a small feat for this movie to have outpaced Batman vs. Superman and all the other DCEU films domestically. It is a big effing deal. I will say it again. I will, I will say it again. Wonder Woman made more money domestically in four weeks than Batman vs. Superman made domestically in 12. So I want people to really understand that this is a big freaking deal. For a woman to to star in this kind of uh, film, for a woman to direct this kind of film, that's why it's all the more insulting to me that when it comes to Spider-Man Homecoming, literally the next day after it comes out, Sony and Marvel are like, oh, John Watts, please, please direct the sequel. Please come back. How long has Wonder Woman been out? How well has it done worldwide? $780 million worldwide. Have they asked Patty Jenkins to direct a sequel? No. She's currently developing a, a treatment, an outline. But there has been no, no paperwork, no confirmation, no announcement, no, no pride and joy for Warner Brothers. To say, yes, Patty Jenkins is coming back to direct a sequel. We're so excited. We're so thrilled. No. No. For them, it's hemming and hawing and like, we'll think about it. We'll think about it, Patty. Are you kidding me? This woman saved your ass. This woman saved the DCEU. But your, your stance is, we'll think about it. Unbelievable. Unbelievable, $780 million, yeah, mm, we'll think about it, maybe, maybe we'll have you come back, give me a break, alright, give me a break, Warner Brothers is just, oh my god, I don't even know what to, what to say about this company as a, as a whole, I really don't, okay, so I don't believe it's for any sort of altruistic reason that they're pushing a campaign to have Wonder Woman be seen, as an Oscar-worthy contender. Now, in general, do I think that's a bad thing? No, I, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna complain about Wonder Woman getting any shine. I'm not gonna complain or get mad about Wonder Woman getting any love and support. No, I'm not gonna get mad. But in general, do I think that? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. The original reasons why the Oscar ballot has changed so much over the years is just because films in general and the way audiences you know receive them and support them and what they watch has changed a lot. Hence the you know why they expanded the best picture category from 5 and then to 10 and lately the last few years it has been 9 because of the mathematics on how people vote in you know there anyway It's really convoluted and complicated, but the original reason why they did the expansion is because a lot of people felt that the Dark Knight was slighted by not being uh, seen as an Oscar-worthy, you know, best picture contender. So, do I think that Wonder Woman is a best picture, you know, candidate... If I'm going to be perfectly real and objective, the answer is no. The answer is just no. And you know how much I love that movie. You know how much I love the movie. And not necessarily just the movie for what it is, but the movie for what it symbolizes. That's where so much of the love and support comes from. It's because people, yes, okay, I'm going to say men, I'm sure we're happy to see it. I mean, some men must have seen the damn movie if it made this much money, but more importantly, women. Women have been dying to see this. Women are spending their money to see this movie again and again, hence the reason why its it's been doing pretty well. It's been pretty steady. Does that mean it's Oscar caliber? No. Let's just be real. Let's be objective about this. But... If they want to try to, you know, push this, I'm not gonna be mad. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna hate. I don't think that it has a chance. If I'm gonna be, <laughs> if I'm gonna be honest, it's just let's come on, come on. There have been other comic book, other science fiction, other genre films in the past that were more worthy, let's say, of a nomination. That we're more worthy of some sort of significant, um, you know, recognition. But I, I, I see that this might be um, a turning point. I see that this might be a turning point. Personally, personally, I would rather see a movie like Logan. I'm
2: about to mention that. Be
1: shown respect, because to me, that was a beautiful movie that was very brilliantly done, very strong, powerful performances that I was, like, crying. I was crying in the theater, okay? To me, that needs respect, Logan. Wonder Woman, if you, you want to try to go down this path? Okay, it'll open up the floodgates, perhaps, maybe, maybe not. Um, overall, the Academy doesn't really see genre movies in that light. But if they want to give it a shot, They want to try? Let them. Let them.
2: Yeah, you know, um, I'm curious about, well, listen, this this whole Oscar so white thing has actually caused people to look at the Academy more closely with the fact that many of of its members are, you know, in their 60s, they're older. Uh, A lot of the films that people are are looking at or aware of, they're not aware of it. it. It's they really do need to have, and I think they promised this. I don't know how how um, honorable they have been. They have been to to actually going in the direction of bolstering its membership and having younger people people in there, a, a more diversified. I mean, I'm not an ageist. I think you should still have mature people in there, but it shouldn't be exclusively mature people. It should be mature and the young, black, white, Asian, Tino. Native American, you need to have you, you. have to. It has to reflect America, and I mean, really reflect America. And I think you you would have changes where you, you would start to see, uh, at least give cre- credence to films that have transcended the genre. Like I thought that when I first saw Dark Dark Knight, and I'm looking I'm looking at Dark Knight as a as a quasi cineast. I thought it was an excellent film. I mean, just not about it being a superhero film, just an excellent film. Um, Logan, as Claire just mentioned, I thought that film, the way that you saw the, the relationship develop and, and, and was a, a, an older, long-time relationship where Logan really became a, a son unto Professor X, even though Logan is older than Professor X. That's the, that's the irony. I mean, there was a lot of dimensions to, that, to, to those. To, the way that both those characters bounced off of each other, the act, the skill set and the acting. You forgot that it was a superhero film in some respects. Even the, the the little girl who played X twenty three was phenomenal. I mean that that transcended the superhero genre to me, and I think it should be some it should be received some kind of acknowledgement. Um, Wonder Woman is going to get some accolades, I think, and I'm, I'm going to read this quick thing for, from Variety because it really explains. I mean, it's really about politics, and it's also about what Wonder Woman represented. So we, maybe that has to be acknowledged, but I find it interesting. That this is the real reason. Reason part. Region. The real reason. Um, uh, it says the studio's efforts. This is from the from Variety.com. The studio's efforts will include reintroducing the film this fall to scarce few who may not have seen have seen it. Insiders report strong reactions to the screening of Wonder Woman at the Academy as it's being championed by liberal Hollywood and re- reinvigorated wave. A wave of feminism in response to Donald Trump. But the movie's glow could diminish if the mashup t- tentpole Justice League which comes out in November and co-stars Godot gets ripped to shreds by harsh reviews.
0: Hmm.
2: I didn't think about that. I, I Hmm. I don't think that's fair, but that's probably reality. That if... Agreed. If the Justice League sucks, it's going to be connected to that. If it triumphs, then it may even be more of a, uh, you know, more of an impetus to really get that movie its due. Captain, what are your what are your thoughts about Wonder the WB actually looking at Wonder Woman for Oscar consideration? And even this thing about the Justice League that if it sucks, it could take down his chances.
4: Well, here's the thing: if the Oscars was a true meritocracy, I'd be bothered by this. Because in my opinion, the only superhero movie from a meritocracy standpoint, a total meritocracy, that Oscar that is Oscar-worthy, in the modern-day era, that is, was that last Dark Knight installment. That's it, hands down. But the Oscars are the standard, but it's not a true meritocracy. Let's look at it overall. Let's say you're a young actor or actress, 23, 24. You nail it in a movie. Just coming right out the box. Incredible performance. You might get nominated, but you don't win it. You carry on, carry on, carry on. You turn 31, 32, then they give you your Oscar. Really, they're giving you your Oscar for that film that you did 23, 24. Look at all. Uh, now, this is just my opinion. We look at uh Denzel Washington Training Day. I think he overacted a little bit in the movie, but hey. Who am I to say anything about Denzel Washington? He's a great actor. That goes without saying. But, come on, for training day, that you're going to give him an Oscar? You could have given him an Oscar for something else. So, because you play these games, you know, and everyone sees it now. Before, people didn't see it. Everyone does see this now. That's why you have Holly Berry talking that that smack now she got an Oscar that, you know, oh, maybe it doesn't mean as much, you know, because you see what they're doing now. It meant everything to you at the given time. You wanted to shine, too. So watch your mouth, Holly. Anyway, if it was a true meritocracy, we probably should make something else, and it'll probably take 10 to 15 years before it can get big, Called the real awards, you know, and try to pull from the Oscars. Yeah, good luck with that, but it would be, it would be probably worthwhile. It's not a true meritocracy. And because it's not a true meritocracy, and it's very political at times too, you know, oh, this guy here Been doing it for the last 16, 17 years These three films he should have got All okay, let's get him in here, this one This is the weak film, though Anyone know it's weak Do that to cinema photography They do it to directors, they do it to actors, actresses All the time So if it was a true meritocracy, once again I'd be upset with it But because the Oscars are what they are Go ahead, push all the way for it Push all the way for it You know Pull all the money, get all the money that you can. Wonder Woman, the first time I watched it, very good movie. Second time I watched it, I only thought it was all right. You know? When I watched Dark Knight, I thought the movie the first time was incredible. I watched it the second time, I thought it was incredible. I watched it the third time, I thought it was incredible. I could still go back and watch that last Dark Knight. Just the music alone is crazy. Can't do that with Wonder Woman. But it was very good the first time around. So that being said, get what you can. Push all you can with this. That's all. Back over to you, Alpha Nerd.
2: Going into the chat room, our uh, Star Wars supporter, Style Style Universal. Why can't I speak? Style Universal says, Wonder Woman was a good film. Oscar-worthy, nah. Then uh, Bison weighs in. Dunkirk was a masterpiece. I I need to see Dunkirk. That's the one with – that's a Nolan film, correct? Dunkirk? I wouldn't be surprised if it if it wasn't a masterpiece. He says yes, a masterpiece, uh, and he says, uh, "Style says if Wonder Woman gets an Oscar nod and Logan doesn't, that's an issue." Yeah, that's a little bit. See, that, that's where you go into what the captain's talking about. It may be more about politics than actual um, film worthiness. I mean, and I and I loved Wonder Woman, but Logan was in a whole different. It, it just, man, it was a smaller film. It was. It, it really hit me. You know it is you know when uh his clone called him uh daddy or dad uh oh, I was done <laughs> So it definitely had kind of a um what's it, what's that movie um Ricky Schroeder, the champ you know it had one of those when the kid is or the young person is losing their parent and they bug out on film that's the worst thing to see but it's good cinematically though Anyway uh, well, we will see. I, 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 it would be cool, but I think it, it'll be because someone owes someone. <laughs> like the captain says, we have to pay a debt to something for something else we we neglected. That seems to be a, a, a an Oscar trope. They don't give you they don't give you the Oscar for the actual film. Denzel should, should have gotten an Oscar for Malcolm X, and instead, of, because of the politics of the time, they weren't going to allow that to happen. just wasn't going to happen. So they had to give it to him. I think he got one for Hurricane, and he got one for a a death-supporting actor for... uh, What was the one with Matthew Broderick? I'm losing my memory. The um, Civil War film. Glory. Yeah, kicked in. All right. Let's move things forward a little bit. Um, I want to talk about... Well, this is kind of a a, a blurty nerdy conversation <laughs> this part right here but it it's it's, it's interesting nevertheless another faux controversy in a suicide squad comic book i think this month's suicide squad and i i'm in and out of that comic book but going, i'm going to have to get it amanda waller the amanda waller character is uh he she is she is warning her team to go after uh two heroes One is Killer Frost, and Killer Killer Frost. We know uh, Caitlyn Snow is is you know she's portrayed on the Flash, but this is in the comic books though. So Killer Killer Frost is is in her purview, and she refers to Killer Frost and Batman as metahumans. So some some folks are problem with Batman being perceived as superhuman, or specifically the term metahuman. Now, Scott Snyder, who writes, I believe, Batman at this point, he's saying, no, that this is not, this is not canon. No. So now you're getting into two different comic books, two different writers' visions. Uh, there's a storyline where Batman gets into contact with some kind of Thanagarian metal that saves his life that, that brings him back better than what he was before. Oftentimes when, when, when a human beings get in contact, this is a mythology, when they get in contact with this metal, they become better. Sometimes they get powers. So far there's, there's been no inclination that Batman has any powers, but he is a better Batman. There's an argument in the nerd community, and, it's, and this has kind of been an ongoing argument, Does Batman classify – well, first of all, many folks classify him as a superhero in the true definition of a superhero. So what's the difference between being superhero slash superhuman versus meta, which is more of a new – kind of a new-age term to describe a superhero? Uh, Let's go to the captain. What what are your thoughts about this faux controversy, non-troversy? Well, it's
4: a – but here's the thing. Didn't we have a version of Batman when he was a vampire?
0: That's true. did we have
4: that? Batman Earth-43, I believe. Well, I mean, you know. <laughs> he's definitely a better than. <laughs> okay, underneath normal circumstances. Yeah, I do people, right? Yeah, I do people. Boy. They, I go somewhere where no one expects me to go. But anyway, underneath normal circumstances, the whole mythos, the whole reason, one of the main reasons why we like Batman is the fact that he's just a human at the best level. And he's able to take down all these superhumans because they're so self important. They weren't so self important, they would they would realize Batman is a threat and kill him right there. But the whole thing, the whole mythos, at least from my standpoint, is the mere fact that everyone goes, ah, this guy is nothing, man. I don't have to worry about it. And what does Batman do? He come back and bust your ASS. <laughs> you understand? So that's all ingrained into what Batman is, at least to me, the fact that he's not superpowered, you know? But at times he does act like he may have powers, and that's just how a human may act at the height of heightened intelligence, you know, your heightened strength, you know, and things of that nature. It's still within human range, but it's heightened strength, heightened athletic ability. He knows all these martial arts, you know? Ninjutsu, ninjutsu allows you to disappear, doesn't it not? You know, they can hide and do things. You know, things of that nature. That's what's going on. So, from my standpoint, that's the way he has to remain, man. He's he's not a metahuman. He's you know, he's a guy that got his act together. Human being that got his act together. <laughs> Back over to you, Alfred. Get a lot of money. <laughs>
2: Claire, <laughs> what are your thoughts?
1: I mean, they already covered this. I mean, they just they nailed it in the trailer. You know, Barry is looking at Bruce Wayne like, so what is your superpower? And he looks at him, he's like, I'm I'm rich. rich. (laughs) You know, I mean, that's the thing. He's rich and he's very resourceful and he's supposedly the greatest detective and blah, blah, blah. He's got all these gadgets and gizmos and great, great. He uses all that to, to win the day, fight crime, vanquish evil. But it's, pretty obvious to me, maybe I'm just not seeing all the moving parts here, but there is a very distinct line. There's a difference between a human that has the resources, that has the tech, that has the suit, that has the skills, between that and a mutant or an inhuman or a meta or enhanced There is a difference. Batman is a man. He doesn't have superpowers. He doesn't have any electric bolts, you know, that he can throw. He can't run really fast. He can't, you know, fly except for the uh, the mechanics of his of his suit and what that allows, but beyond that, no, he is a man. He's human. So when I hear the term meta, it's just, it's just like I hear with all of these, you know, DC, Marvel, Sony, whatever, Fox uh, iterations or interpretations of what it is to have powers, you know, to have any sort of magical, mystical, scientific, whatever, powers, whether it be something that you were born with. Whether it be something that you were, you know, given in some sort of horrific science experiment, you know, Hulk, you know, with the gamma rays or with the um, the Maximoff twins, you know, that's a scientifically based enhancement. You know, with the mutants and with the inhumans, it's just something that they're born with. It's in their DNA, you know. So I don't understand why there's even this question. I mean, the distinction has always been clear. We've always known that. So, why all of a sudden in this random comic book, you know, that they want to refer to him as a meta? That doesn't make any sense to me at all.
2: Well, I mean, when you're talking about comic book nerds, and I include myself in this conversation, is that we do get a little obsessed with mythology and canon and what people, what the characters say. And it's, it's interesting that Amanda Waller, who has a lot of power in the, in this universe um she she runs a clandestine group she's she's in the government and she studies people and there's always been this thing about Batman because he his his uh reputation precedes him so uh it also goes by what what what- what classifies superhuman being a superhuman because uh I think green Lantern doesn't get this for some reason. And Green Lantern should really be perceived the same way as Batman, but he's not. The the Green Lanterns are up there with Superman as far as power. So, because they have the that weapon is so uh over the top that it gives you superhuman abilities, I guess. But it that you don't see Green Lantern perceived the same way as Batman. And he's still a technologist. Still. But Batman, I think, I think what how I've seen it because this has been deliberated quite a bit. There's been there's been like YouTube YouTube docs on this about even Batman being perceived as a super superhero. But if you're going to call him a superhero, that that almost lends itself to perceiving him as a meta. And only said the only reason why they say he's a meta is because he the average human cannot do what Batman can do. Um. Even okay, with the but money. Then that
1: means that that means that all of these people that we're watching, you know, Black Widow, Hawkeye, Ant Man, all these that that's that's basically saying by that argument that none of them are superheroes either.
2: No, well, would be that they're not superheroes.
1: If we well, were to say that, oh well, if if it if it's defined by the fact that, oh well, you can do, you know, you can do these things and not necessarily have you know powers. But to me, it's like that—that that, that doesn't make any sense. Like I, it's not one and the same. I don't think that having the title superhero means that you're superhuman, that you have powers. I mean, that's—it's unless unless the, the terminology has merged, then I think they're they're distinct. And I don't think there's that's anything what, wrong with that. Well, I don't, don't consider getting... Black Widow a meta. I don't
2: consider Ant Man a meta. You know, mm. Iron Man certainly isn't. Yeah, but see, I'm telling you, this gets to be a very hairy conversation because Captain, what are your thoughts? I mean, Iron Man is considered a superhero. There's very little debate about that. Batman, because Batman is just him. He doesn't have a suit or a ring.
4: Well, this is what they say. We go according to Wikipedia. Abilities, Batman. Genius level intellect. This is Wikipedia. We can go other places too. Peak human physical and mental condition. i you, he's doing what he's supposed to do. You guys act together. You're not like <laughs> these fools with uh, 15 tattoos hanging around. You know? Skilled martial artists and hand to hand combatant. <laughs> that's an understatement right there. That's an understatement as far as his martial arts skills. Expert detectives. Utilizes high tech equipment and weapons. There you go. There you go. See, that's according to Wikipedia. You know.
1: Right. So he's smart. He's smart. He's skilled. That doesn't mean that he has meta abilities. It just means that he is the the highest form of what a human can achieve.
2: There you go. Well, he's he's bet, well, he's he is well. See, that's that's where people get into these these conversations. I think it's a, I think he's a hairbreadth away from what might be considered a meta human. Because the average person couldn't be, could not be, could not do all of those things at the same time like he could do. I mean, we, you might can say Le, LeBron James is metahuman, because how many people can do what LeBron James can do? I'm just talking okay. about. I'm just talking about. The, I'm just talking about. The, 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 hey, yeah,
4: the all right. now. <laughs> now no, no, well, no. Here's no, the thing. This, what's the deal, this, What's the deal with Captain America? Since we're gonna go here, what's the deal? That's why people have problem with when Captain America was holding that that a uh, helicopter. See? You remember?
0: Yeah, yeah. Remember
4: what, remember the, see? So we can go back and forth with this. It's open to interpretation to a certain extent. But let's okay, leave Batman I, alone, man.
2: Okay, <laughs> what, well even with well with 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 um Captain America, he took something. He went through yes, an experiment. But he's still not he supposed
4: would, to be superhuman.
2: Mm. But I I I could argue they because, well hold on even in the movie Cathar uh, America's system is so refined he can't even get drunk now there's no human I know who can't not get drunk he can't get drunk his healing is better than the average humans there's some things some things about you know, remember he's the he's weapon one weapon zero I think
4: hold weapon on. zero oh let, let let's that program, go to Wikipedia if you believe it if you believe it. Abilities, peak human physical condition.
2: See? All right.
4: That's I'm peak human. Health. Health. It's, not, it's not, not like someone we just mentioned. <laughs> <Afternoon> is close. <laughs>
2: <laughs> My workouts, buddy, it's going down. It's going down.
5: And
2: <laughs> hey, you know who else fits in this category? Black <laughs> Panther. Avenger. <April laughs> this <laughs> <laughs> <It's> La- <not laughs> My secret's out, you baby. Know?
5: <laughs>
2: Listen, all, all jokes aside, but this is true. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sally and her husband when I work out,
4: there we you know, go. they say
2: slick stuff about me. They do. They say it's that African gene. About how do you get so you're so muscular? You get so muscular so quickly. You see what I mean? That's stereotyping too. I accept it. <laughs>
0: Let me let me read a little bit more about Captain America. This is
4: Wikipedia. Just for just for the jokes, feces of giggles. Everyone knows this already. I know I know you proper nerds, blurs, you know this already. So I don't know calling, Well, this is what we know. We know this already. Captain America has no superhuman powers. But through the super soldier serum and by the way treatment, he is transformed and has strength, endurance, agility, speed, reflexes, durability, and healing are at the zenith. Of natural yes. human potential. Natural human potential. Roger's body regularly replenishes the super soldier serum so it does not wear off. Alright. And it also says he can wield Thor's hammer. Okay. <laughs> there you go. That's
1: that's it. That's it. <laughs> he can?
4: Yeah, he can wield the... Thor's hammer. That's what it said.
1: I'm <laughs> going. after I'm going to G
2: I'm going to GNC, I'm taking pills. Come on now. <laughs> What's going on? There go, man. It, it, it's going down. All
4: right, All right. you're self important. <laughs> All, right. All, right. All right, go easy. All right. So I kind of you agree know, This is what we're dealing with here. I,
2: I, I kind of agree with Claire, but I think there's a, people that are arguing the other side, too. I, I think it takes something away from Batman if you say he's like a meta human. That's right. You know what I mean? But the argument can that you make. The argument can be made, though, that because he's able to do all that stuff at such a high level, the average human cannot do that. And then then they get the Batman
4: for me, okay? Don't mess it up, okay? Leave it alone. I like my Dark (laughs) Knight. Well,
2: they said he took something. He got in contact with some ninth metal or whatever, or nth metal. (laughs) That's what they said. He got into his bloodstream. It made him younger. Made him younger. Yes, I know. It made him younger.
1: What the hell is this? You're telling me that he came across some MacGuffin? That now makes him, like, rejuvenated? Come on. Yeah, made him
4: younger. Made him younger. Yep. Yeah.
2: He's the, he's the best Batman he could ever be at this point right now. Yes. Terrific. But he's still not I'm superhuman. Just <laughs> he's a super Batman, though. Just saying. All right. Yeah,
4: he's all healed up. <laughs>
2: yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, uh, we got about 17 minutes remaining, quickly. Um, Captain Marvel, man, I don't know if we spoke about the revelations last week. Did we speak about the revelations coming out from SDCC when it came to Captain Marvel? I don't remember. I don't think we did. No, we left that one alone. All right, there's some interesting things coming out from uh, from SDCC. Of course, they did not have a trailer. You wouldn't expect that. I don't think it's even started filming yet. Um, but they have uh, some. They have some workups, some photographs, or some pictures. Of, of of Brie Larson in the costume, and they said a couple of things. If we're led to believe what's going on, one they're saying that it's going to go back in time into the '90s, where we're supposed to be seeing a a uh, Nick Fury with both of his eyes. So the accident that caused him to lose an eye didn't happen yet. So you see both eyes with Sam Jackson. Military, you're going to see military because she's a, she's a military woman. She's a soldier. Um, you're going to see the scrolls. Now, the Chitari, that's more of a, of I guess that's, like that's why you need. This is when I need Daryl. The Chitari, I know from the Ultimate Universe, um, I guess they're like the scrolls, but these are clearly scrolls. And you're going to see more of an interaction between the scrolls and the Cree. Uh, there might there's going to probably be a Cree scroll war in the background of the of this Captain Marvel thing. So the implications are scrolls, and for those who are unfamiliar with the scrolls, the scrolls are an alien race of shapeshifters. If you have shapeshifters shapeshifters in the 90s, before. Tony Stark finds his armor, gets, you know, de- creates his armor, and all these other heroes, the Avengers and all that stuff, before uh, Captain America is thawed out, um, that might mean that when we go to go beyond phase four in, in the MCU, that we might be in a totally different direction. That some of the, the, the people who we thought were heroes might have been these, these aliens in disguise. So what are your thoughts about what this could mean for the MCU and what this could mean for uh, Captain Marvel as far as that that movie's importance? Let's go to the Captain then to Claire. Is it good news or bad news? Well, the whole thing is this.
4: (laughs) The whole thing is this. Whatever Marvel... Decides to do They have to do it seamlessly It can't have any flaws man. Because I'm going to tell you straight up and down The geek Slash nerd or whatever else You want to call yourself Into the mythos The people that are really into the mythos They're going to slaughter you like a dog (laughs) You're not going to get away with it So they're going to be seamless you know, it just has to be seamless and it has to fit in as we know it it's out there You could tweak a few things, but it has to just fit in there like that Because that, that's what the geeks and nerds are waiting for. They wait for the mess up believe it or not You didn't do this right. That wasn't like that. That's what they do That's what they do So just make sure it's flawless, you know, just make sure it's flawless. That's all I'm saying, you know so we just have to wait and see And see what happens We're all talking about potentiality right now At this given point when it comes to this You know So we just have to wait and see what happens You know It can mean a lot of different things Affleck, It can mean a lot of different things You know Back over to you sir
2: Claire any thoughts about uh, Captain Marvel I mean you know Captain Marvel has been likened To being Marvel's Wonder Woman I mean, her power set is definitely in that in that range, but um, you know, when you hear all of these ancillary uh, political connotations with Wonder Woman, I would like to see some of that ascribed to Captain Marvel. That's that's kind of a separate matter, but that, that's kind of in my head. Um, but beyond that, what are your thoughts about all this other stuff going on that could potentially mean something different? with what we've already seen that some of the heroes for all intents and purposes might be someone else in disguise like a transformer. (laughs) What are your thoughts?
1: Damn that franchise. Um, Well, okay. So I'll be honest. I'm not very well versed when it comes to the scrolls and I just recently was doing research on it just because, you know, with, some of this stuff that's been coming out of SDCC, it's like it's overwhelming. It's like there's all this information and potential plot lines and theories and and directions that they could go, and what's going to happen if if, uh, so-and-so and and -and so-and-so, their acting contracts are now up? Does that mean that they go off into the sunset? Does it mean you kill them off in a blaze of glory? Who's going to take the mantle? How do you proceed into the next phase? So there's a lot of stuff to kind of parse through, so from what I've been hearing, uh, as you mentioned, the Captain Marvel movie starring Brie Larson will come out in 2019. It'll, it'll obviously predate Iron Man. It'll predate the inception of the MCU. That movie came out what 2008. That's correct. And so uh, Avengers: Infinity War. It's 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 just perfect timing. It's all about timing. It's all about. Um, milestones, because 2018 is the 10-year anniversary of, you know, this whole Marvel MCU domination. Um, So it'll predate what we have come to know of the Avengers, um, and it's supposed to be it's supposed to be a game changer, not just in the fact that we are now introduced to the first Marvel, you know, superhero uh, film led by a woman. Um, but we've been hearing things about how they wanted to change parts of her, you know, origin story because they were worried that it was a little bit too, too similar to uh, DC Green Lantern. Green Lantern. But I think it goes beyond that. Now, I think. Marvel is now realizing that more so than just trying to shy away from story elements that might be too too similar to to uh Hal Jordan or 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 that whole the Green Lantern Intergalactic, you know, type of thing. It's really about how do we how do we move Marvel into phase 4? How do we how do we transition into this whole new dynamic of potentially losing our marquee players? Because it's no secret that Robert Downey Jr. and Chris Evans are slowly on their way out. They will both be present for Avengers 4, right? Um, whether or not you want to believe the rumors that it's going to be all about you know, Infinity Gauntlet that's up to you if you wanna, you know, go into that. But ultimately Avengers Four is going to be the last film of phase three. So it makes sense that there's gonna be a huge sense of catharsis. Characters will officially be done, well it's it's over, like no more, and other people are now going to be moved up to the forefront and take on the mantle. Spider Man Homecoming sequel Spider-Man Homecoming 2, whatever the hell they want to call it, is going to be the official kickstart of Phase 4. So people are saying that somewhere along the lines between, between Captain Marvel and Avengers 4, the Scroll storyline is going to potentially be that of one where suddenly it's like, well, wait who can you trust, is the reason why they had the Civil War and the reason why people were fighting is the reason why that they were behaving this way is because they are not actually who we think they are. So there it gets kind of dicey. It gets kind of dicey because we've already kind of had something of a turnaround with that when when, uh, Winter Soldier revealed that Hydra had been, you know, immersed in, in S.H.I.E.L.D., for quite some time. So, it's a, it's going to be an interesting way to, t- you know, flip the script, kind of, you know, reboot the system for the next phase now that you're you got a few actors leaving. I don't exactly know how they're going to play things out, obviously who does, but I'm just, you know, I just hope they don't do the slap in the face where it's like don't don't do that saint elsewhere Snow globe. Don't do that, um, Patrick Duffy in the shower, in Dallas or Dynasty or whatever the hell. I'm about
2: to mention that. That I'm about to mention that. Mm -hmm.
1: You know what I'm saying? Don't do that. Don't do the snow globe with the boy who's, like, imagining all this. Maybe it's not even real. Don't do the one where Patrick Duffy, his character, never got killed and it was all a dream. It was just her dream, and now she's waking up. Don't do that. Don't slap us in the face and give us the finger by saying that everything that happened in the last ten years is all for naught. It was all one big conspiracy. It was all a bunch of scrolls that were impersonating or shape-shifting as these different key players within the Avengers, you know, family dynamic to to try to sabotage us, to to create chaos and infighting, to weaken us, to weaken our disposition for when uh, threats like Thanos comes. Don't do that. That's what I'm a little concerned about. But other than that, I can see why they do need something major to reboot the whole story. Because you have to. You have no choice. A lot of your, your main your main actors, your main draws will no longer be part of the franchise. So you're going to have to do something major. I get it. I understand. But please, don't do that. Don't do that. Well,
2: you know, I do Can I interject it, something? Yeah, go
0: ahead. Hey, you
2: see, here's the thing,
4: man. From what I remember, I could be wrong. Only Super Squirrel he can mimic the Fantastic Four powers. I remember this. The rest of the Skrulls, they can look like, but they can't do all those people's powers. They can't do all those people's powers. So if they do that, they screw up. <laughs> they screw up. They can definitely look like them, but they cannot do all those heroes' powers.
1: That, I'm hoping that you're right. I'm hoping that you're right, and there's that loophole that, that will kind of keep things in check, you know, checks and balances. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Super scroll is off-limits. Marvel Studios cannot touch Super Scroll He
2: I thought cannot I read be included in
1: go- the MCU because he belongs to Fox.
2: I thought, but I thought I read somewhere that, he, that they might explore Super skull.
1: Only if they have any sort of way in which to negotiate that. Negotiations. It's all about negotiation. trade. I mean, the only listen. reason why they were able to get ego for Guardians of the Galaxy 2 is because they were willing to trade... A character that that Fox would use for Deadpool, it's all this about trade what? and negotiation <laughs> that's all well, well
2: I, listen i I become suspicious with with Captain Marvel even exploring a Skrull storyline because I was always always under the impression the reason why you even have a chatari that the Chatari were really a proxy for the scrolls. now I'm hearing sure, oh, well indeed. we just have we're just going to have the scroll. I mean the scrolls. I know you, you said you were unfamiliar with the scrolls, but just to give you a quick thing, I mean, we know they are a race of shape-shifting aliens, but the scrolls have been around almost since the inception of, of Marvel Silver Age comics. Um, Marvel, is, I mean, the, the Skrulls are so closely associated with the Fantastic Four and the, rest of, and the rest of the MCU. I mean, I guess they couldn't use it because the Skrulls have had encounters with the Avengers. They've had encounters with everybody in the, in, in the, uh, MCU, uh, in the Marvel Universe. But uh, they're so closely associated with, with the FF, I was unsure as to why they are accessible now unless one of those deals you referenced was, was, was established. Um, because,
1: yeah, originally, right, what, uh, Avengers 1 that came out in 2012. So right. you're probably right. At the time, at the time, it might have very well been a proxy. It might have well have been some sort of approximation the closest thing you can get to that because you can't touch that. Maybe that was true at the time, but now things are so fluid with who can do what and who shares what, who gets what. They, you know, they have this deal with Sony now, with Spider-Man. They've had a deal with Universal for years.
0: For Hulk, Universal yeah.
1: has been letting Hulk in the MCU for years because why not? It benefits them. They make money. They get something out of it, and they, they don't even have to do anything. You know, passive income, why not? But but again, that that reason alone, though, is the reason why we will never again, never again see a solo Hulk movie. Because Universal owns the movie rights. Okay? So, anyway, what you were saying about Scrolls, I just wanted to mention real quick that they Mm -hmm. did mention that, because you talked about how they were so enmeshed and intertwined and interspersed with Fantastic Four stories. Well, think about what is the proxy what is the approximation of that for Marvel right now in humans.
0: So <laughs> from what I
1: heard the scrolls and Captain Marvel, part of what her story is in the nineties, is also going to uh link up with the Cree and kind of be a backstory and an explanation for the Cree leading up to why we have Inhuman, Inhuman and the stuff on Agents of Shield
2: and blah 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 blah. You know what? Um, quickly, a couple of things I want to throw out there. I see our friend Daryl does Doswell, uh, not our own Daryl, but another Daryl. He just tweeted out that DC's Milestone relaunch is coming soon, according to Jim Lee. So if Jim Lee, who is the head of DC, says that Milestone is is going to be relaunched soon, then maybe things have been straightened out. So I, I hope that I hope that is true, and uh, Rick. Yiwa, formerly of The Flash, uh, he's got this new film coming out called Son of Shaolin. So I'm going to find out more about that. It's a, I guess it's another comic book adaptation, maybe. Um, uh, minutes remaining. I just want to mention this quickly. With Star Trek Discovery, a couple of things have come out. We do know that the lead character, this, Sonequa, I believe that's the, that's the actress's name, that um, she is going to be playing... Well, she, she's turning out to be an adopted sister of Spock because she ends up being adopted by the Vulcans and she essentially becomes a Vulcan, even though she's human she's going to be culturally Vulcan so I think that's the first time I've seen that on screen where you see, I mean you know Spock's mother was a Vulcan I mean, was human and and Spock was she don't act like it? (laughs) I'm just going, let's just come on, come
1: on come on Everything that we've seen in the trailers, there's nothing about her attitude that tells me that she was raised by Vulcans.
2: Don't <laughs> give me saw, that. You,
1: don't give me that. Wait, wait but,
2: but you saw you saw her with uh, what, what's uh, what's what's uh, uh Sarek. Spot, spot, Sarek. right? You saw you saw them. Her training as a kid, she was being ridiculed by other other Vulcan children. I mean, we we there's something there, I think. I don't know. We might see flashes. Frankly, I would, I'm, just, I would...
1: I'm, I'm a little bit on edge when it comes to anything Discovery, because I'm just kind of like, yeah, I don't know about this. I just don't know. I just don't know. And, frankly, she's the the. it's like a split personality. It's a split personality between her loyalty on the one ship with Michelle Yeoh and then on the other ship with uh, the Jason Isaacs character. I mean, like, what's going on? And that just made me laugh. The other trailer that they released, the new one at SDCC. I mean, they're showing Michelle, and she—they won't even let her talk. Like <laughs> they won't even let her speak. You know? Yeah, I don't.
2: I don't it's, it really is pretty. It's, it is disgusting. Um, and also, they just—they—they—they they, they banned an actor from using. He was ad-libbing, and the actor used the term "God," and he had to be corrected. He was kind of. Putting up a little bit of a, of a stink about like he thought God was an innocuous thing, but Gene Roddenberry, uh, you know, he he was he believed that we would be beyond religion that far into the future, which I you know one would hope. I think <laughs> a lot of evidence will probably will probably be doing that in the future. But I get where he's coming from. He, he was a true, a true futurist. So to honor Gene Roddenberry, they had to omit this actor's reference to to God. And he did it in an exclamatory kind of way, you know. He just did it like in a conversation where he said, "Oh goddamn," or something. To, something to that effect. Uh, effect. So, what are your thoughts about that? And then we're going to have to close shop. Is it too? Is it? Is it a little too too picky, Yoon? Or I thought it was great.
1: You know, I think you it, you do have to keep certain elements. I mean, they've already said that they're not going to adhere to Gene Roddenberry's edict that. Uh, main characters cannot have major conflict with each other. And I don't know, for all you Trekkies, for all my fellow Trekkies who are completely, you know, in the know about the the behind-the-scenes stuff creatively, you know, with the Star Trek canon, then you know this. You already know that Gene Roddenberry did not want any sort of internal major conflict, nothing that would ever paint them in uh, an ugly light all the all the conflicts would have to be exterior it would have to be from aliens it would have to be from the the guest star of the week you know so they're definitely doing away with that you know that rule for the uh for the upcoming series but there are certain things that come on you you have to you have to at least keep something that is purely star trek and honestly that is a major thing i mean they're not, they're not religious at all. They're not religious. There's not going to be any sort of reference of, of any sort of deity or, you know, they're not going to talk about Christianity or Islam or Buddhism or anything like that. They were, that was never, never included in the series, ever. So I don't see why it should be now. As for the the story part with the, the characters and the conflict and 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 maybe having them be a little bit more complex, maybe bordering on on hero or kind of multifaceted, not just purely good, purely bad. Then yeah, I'm all I'm all for that. I'm all for that, you know, because nothing's black and white; it's a lot of gray. But as for the religious stuff, yeah, I, I can see why they're shying away from from that terminology or from any sort of, you know, any sort of sense of religious context. I mean, that's that's never gelled with science fiction anyway. Certainly not Star Trek.
2: Yeah, it's funny. Uh, I was a bit disheartened about one thing, and this is kind of innocuous, uh, the beloved Harry Mudd character from the 60s. We mm. always do Harry Mudd to be this kind of shystery uh, you know, he, he was never perceived as being a sinister. Just a guy that was always out to make a quick but a quick buck at your expense. Now, Rain Wilson is going to be playing uh, Harry Mudd and they're saying he might be a bit more sinister. That he's not going to be like this foppish, uh, kind of half comic relief. I mean, that's that's the Harry Mud that that I liked, and now they're going to take him in a different direction. And it's kind of like. Um, uh, Professor Smith You know <sighs> Lost in space That uh, Did Gary Oldman play him I think In the movie The horrible movie um, He was sinister When, when we knew That uh, You know The original character Was meant to be a bit more Just kind of comical So I was kind of disheartened That they're going to do this They're going to new wave Harry Mudd But I guess you can expect Some changes I mean you know It is what it is. Anyway, I'm going to check it out. I'm not going to lie. I'm I'm going to check it out. I can't say I'm going to pay CBS access to see it, but I will check it out. And I'll leave it at I'll leave it at that. And I'll make sure that my team members also have access. My own Afro nerd access. (laughs) 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 What about the defenders, man? What about the defenders? What about the defenders? We're discussing it. Yeah. I mean, we're 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 already have to discuss that too. I
4: know, I know, I know, but we can't discuss now. But we're gonna to have to yeah. do that soon.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, that's coming I'm up. I'm just excited uh, to see Electra. I just want to see my girl uh, Electra. That's it. I just want to see her whooping ass. You know, that's all. I'm. I. She, I honestly. She's I think the dominant one. Really you got a couple women
2: in a kicking ass.
1: You got a I'm lot of women skip in a kicking iron ass. I'm gonna fist all together. How about like, you if girl, I don't need uh, to watch it, then I don't need to watch it. I don't care.
0: You'll
4: notice he cut his hair a little bit for this With the a oh. <laughs>
1: oh, At least bit. At <laughs> least he got a haircut
0: Yeah, he got a
2: haircut <laughs> Maybe he snuck in a few more acting lessons And a few, a few more uh, martial arts uh, Lessons also Unless he's going to do those uh, those slick side moves and, and those edits To make it look fancy like <laughs> you, you, you could fool us You know Oh, I'm going to man. check it out, but look at look at it. Iron Fist um, Season 2 is going to be very difficult for yours truly. I don't know. That's going to, I mean, wow. <laughs> but people saw it. I don't know. I have no idea. You have to I, I watch it. Oh, Ma- man.
4: Marvel's the hot drunk. Yeah, so you got to watch, yeah, man. But Even if you're watching man. the hate. That's true. People, people hate watching the hate.
1: Them all the time.
2: Yep. Uh Damn. <laughs> and the thing yeah,
1: about Iron too, are gonna to have a new, a new uh, showrunner.
2: Oh yeah. So what's? Uh, well, <laughs> that could be bad. I don't, I have no idea what that means.
1: You know, if he well, or I she is. Well, I mean, who is, knows? Is it could be point. better. It could be worse. But I think it's because of either the critical reception and or because Scott Buck was working on, um, you know, Inhumans. Maybe he's busy doing other stuff. Maybe he's busy screwing up other shows.
2: Oh my God. <laughs> uh
1: no
2: I was gonna mention I something else that we did. You know, one quick, Lucy Lou had got a directing gig for an episode of of um Luke Cage. That's that good. was mentioned out there too. It's a good look. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a good you look. Know? So, um She's, she's been in the game for quite a bit, so I'm, I'm intrigued to see what she brings to the game, but I'm sure it's going to be excellent. On that note, folks, uh, let's close the shop. We'll see you next week. I'm pretty sure the Uncanny will be, be, with, be back with his irascible wit and antics. Claire and the gang, everybody. Going out with uh, uh, Thundercat, them changes. Next week, folks, it's been real. Always a pleasure.